welcome to another edition of FITS podcast. My name is Colum Fon, and I am the program officer for gender and public engagement with the Fund for Innovation and Transformation of FIT. FIT is a national funding and learning program of the Inter-Council Network, founded by Global Offers Canada, and we support Canadian small and medium-sized organizations testing innovative solutions to advance gender equality in the global South. Today, we are here with Mr. Vurayai Pugini, Area Director at Menonite Central Committee, or MCC. While in Zimbabwe, Pugini worked with local and international NGOs where his major role was to implement and manage food assistance, agriculture, and livelihoods projects. Then in Canada with MCC in the humanitarian assistance coordinator role, he has assisted MCC country offices and partners, mostly in Africa with project planning, monitoring, evaluation and reporting. Currently, Pugini supervises and supports MCC's country programs in Southern Africa, Central Africa and Nigeria as area director. We ask him to join us today to talk a bit about how to concretely engage men and boys in international project testing aiming to advance gender equality and the empowerment of women and girls. Welcome, Pugini. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Colom, for having me. Great. So, Pugini, can you tell us a bit more about your work and how you got involved in gender equality work and innovation? I think you have said it well in the introduction. I work for MCC or the Mennonite Central Committee as the area director for Southern Africa, Central Africa and Nigeria. In most of the communities that MCC work, women are disproportionately vulnerable to food insecurity as well as economic and environmental shocks as a result of climate change. Mm -hmm. In addition, harmful social barriers and stereotypes on what women can or should do persist in most of these communities that MCC work. So having worked with MCC in such contexts and also having grown up in Zimbabwe myself, where I saw some of the challenges that are faced by women, I was actually encouraged and motivated to work together with communities and partners on finding lasting solutions to the challenges that are faced by women and girls in their communities. Wow, it's clear that gender equality or innovation is not something new for you. So Mr. Pigini, engaging men and boys in the implementation of projects that advance gender equality is one of the best practices promoted in international development sector to inspire transformative change. For you, what does it mean to engage men and boys in initiative transformative change? That's a, a very interesting point. I think when you are engaging men and boys in transformative change, what you are doing is you are basically working with them in ways that can bring transformation or that can change the social norms, the underlying social norms that are leading to gender inequality in a community. So for me, the process of engaging men and boys can come with its own challenges, 
it, it can also come with its own joys. So for example, when we were working on a project in Zimbabwe, engaging men and boys, the first challenge was that they were also embarrassed or unsure of what they could do. So this is something gender issues are common. Like people talk about gender issues, but men and boys usually do not know what it feels to take some of the roles that women take in society, for example. So what we discovered in that process was that more often it is very important to create a conducive environment that feels safe for men and boys to engage in constructive conversations about the social norms, about the barriers, about the stereotypes, about the masculine issues that affords them more power or that affords them more privileges. Very instructive. So, Mr. Pigeni, what do you think is the biggest challenge that can be met using this approach? I think the, the, one of the challenges that can happen is that if you, including men in issues where women have limited autonomy and are subordinated by men, is not just a neutral decision, nor is it universally positive. So we do have to emphasize the need for programs engaging men to promote gender equality, to develop protective measures for women. For example, by engaging women in project design, consulting women on including or including women in evaluations or processes that are put in place to measure the impact of the projects themselves. Now, there are also situations where if not done well, engaging men and boys can actually uh, reinforce the stereotypes that already exist in communities. For example, if you are doing an education project about a certain issue and you work with boys and girls without reaching women and girls with similar intervention, what it means is that boys and, and men will end up having more knowledge about that particular subject, which reinforces the gender stereotypes that exist to say men and boys know better than girls and women in certain communities. So our experience as MCC is that when you are engaging with boys and men, the curriculum, the technology, the social innovation or the social invention that you are about to test has to be designed together with women and girls. Then um, there can also be a challenge of uh, recruiting and retaining men and boys in groups. Sometimes because men are working or they are involved in other activities and they just say they don't have time. So this was a practical thing that could happen in a project. So what we have also seen is it is very important for the strategy that you employ to make sure it emphasizes the benefits to both men, boys, women, and girls so that they are all equally important stakeholders in the conversation. So those are some of the, the challenges. And the, the other one, which is the biggest, how then do you ensure that it's inclusive when you are focusing on just men and boys? So when you talk, when you look at the approaches that MCC is applying on the ground, when men are discussing issues, they are actually discussing issues about the social norms, about the social structures 
the institutions that affect women and girls. The conversation has to be focused there, how they are discrediting or how they are unfair or unequal and what can be done to improve that. Our experience as MCC is that there should be inclusivity and you have to create a platform where all stakeholders are respected, valued, and their input is recognized. Now, that also goes when you are now bringing in women and girls. For example, in the Men Can Cook, I will just use these two examples. In the Men Can Cook competition, women were not necessarily involved with the cooking. However, women were the judges. You can see already there, that's a social uh, disruption that has happened. In that particular community, a woman cannot, cannot judge a men's work. The men's work is always the best. But this innovative approach is now putting women at the center and front of decision-making to say what constitutes a well-prepared meal. And in that project as well, women were the ones handing out the prizes to men. And as if that is not enough, the prizes that were being given to men were all the items that in that traditional context are considered to be feminine items. So men would win plates, they would win pots, they would win teapots. And again, that again is an, an entry point for conversation. So you really have to make sure that there is that inclusivity and you have to be very creative to have men alone, but still making sure that women are participating and they are really their voice is heard, it's affirmed, and everything is to their benefit. It's very interesting. There is also an, a race that men are resistant to the idea of promoting women's rights, especially in patriarchal societies. How do you overcome this resistance and persuade them to support greater gender equality? So, um, for you to be able to support, to, to overcome resistance when you are working with men and boys, uh, the first thing you have to do is to make sure that your idea that you are going to test in the first place or your innovation is not just addressing an issue that men and boys view as a women and girls issue. It's addressing an issue that has benefits for both. For example, when you are addressing an issue that can make men and boys realize how important it is for them to have a certain skill set that they traditionally think that it is for women. So in this case, the Men Can Cook campaign was addressing cooking. Now, let's move on to gender-based violence. When you are, when you are addressing gender-based violence, our partners that have done a lot of good work with a lot of success, bring it warm that's what they say they say we bring it home they will say how many of you here have got girls or daughters in your family men would least lift up their hands how many of you would be very happy if your daughter is to be beaten by their husband traditionally men will be like in those communities they'll say if that ever happened he will see me so they there is this culture of ubuntu that is in the in this community, in this Southern African community, I am because you are. So men already have that empathy. Unfortunately, the empathy is buried by all these social norms and patriarchal systems that protect and give them more privilege than women. 
So for you to overcome the resistance, you try, as our partner said, to bring it home. Say it with this idea of this, is, this can be your closest family member. This can be happening. It's harder for them to resist when they feel that things are closer to them. Then the other one, which was also successful, is to use men champions, those people who have the potential to change, those people who have the potential to speak or to learn faster and speak about an issue and stand up proudly and say, hey, this is not working. So those are the people that can also help overcome resistance because they are able to engage with other men in the way they interact every day and influence them to really pay attention to some of the issues that uh, you will be uh, bringing to light. We have seen bad practices in overcoming resistance and I'll just name them. Uh, the first practice is to incentivize men to come to those meetings. That is, the, that is a bad practice because in the end, it is going to really make men benefit from a very from a really bad practice that is going on in the community so gender inequality becomes something that men are now being incentivized they are now being given resources for them to come and the other bad practice is when conversations are just about talking rather than about engaging in in the social norms issue and the transformative issue that we want because if we don't have transformation we can have all the knowledge if we don't have the change in attitudes and the behavior change if there's no transformation we have not achieved so again just to say when you are engaging men it can be very difficult but it's better to invest your money difficult as it is on transformation never say because it's difficult i'm going to find a soft way of doing it and then in the process, reinforce stereotypes or do more harm. Very interesting. As you know, Pogeni Fit Program aims to fund SMOs at the testing phase of the innovative solution. Considering the short period of time, approximately 15 months, they have to conduct their testing in a gender-sensitive manner. How do you think they could effectively engage men and boys in this short time frame? Well, I think that uh, the issue of time is always the question. We also have done a similar exercise auditing our programs to see what can be achieved within a short time, space of time, and what kind of methods do you use to achieve that? So yeah. one example is we used participatory methods on the Men Can Cook campaign for when men were actually using pictures, using role play, using practical demonstrations, um, and using a group approach that gives opportunities for reflection and learning. And what we discovered is that because men were practically involved in doing what was being discussed, as the, what was being identified as the gender issue, it took no time for them to see. So in the first six weeks, men were basically trying to understand the concepts and learning about them and reflecting on them. After six weeks, men, we could see that their lights just, their eyes just shined. They were able to see it. Everyone said, wow, this is a lot of work. The other thing that is very important to achieve success within a short space of time is that you should create safe spaces for dialogue, for learning, for failure, for confusion, and for people to go through the stages of denial, 
until they arrive at a point where they accept. So in our project with the Men's Forum on Gender, for example, we created it in such a way that men were meeting on their own to discuss the issues, be defensive as much as they want. We even got to a point of conflict where there were now two groups of men in the same forum fighting against each other on what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And eventually we saw that that dialogue, that, that those conversations, those heated debates were the most important to, for us to arrive at the result within a short space of time. Well, very, very interesting, Mr. Pigini. And these learnings seem to come from long year of experimentation and adaptation. <laughs> yeah. So as you said earlier, testing an innovative solution involves a lot of stakeholders. So how can you work effectively with local partners to better understand the local gender relations and the gender risk or opportunities related to your innovation? Wow, that's a good question. So working with partner, local partners in a multi-stakeholder context is also is challenging. So what our partners do is that they do uh, a gender analysis, before anything else. We have to understand the local context, we have to understand the issues that are there. So they do a gender analysis and they also do a stakeholder or actor analysis. That is where now you map all the local partners that are there, you identify them, you look at who has the most influence on this gender issue that we are going to deal with. And then the community ranks them according to their influence to say this one has the most influence, this one, so that you are able to identify the ones uh, the, the, the partners that you are going to really work with. And more often than not, when people are addressing gender issues and mapping out their partnerships, they forget the business sector. The private sector is always left out in most cases uh, because it's, no, it's kind of a very new way of working where um, NGOs work together with the private sector. It is very important to recognize the, the, the contributions of the private sector as well or even the challenges and constraints that can result because of their involvement as well. Now, uh, when you are working with local partners, make sure there's a good gender analysis, make sure there's a good power analysis. A power analysis is important for partners to realize who is the most power and why do they have that power? And what can we do? How can we leverage on that power for the benefit of women and girls? And now the, the other thing that is critical when working with local partners again, is for them to understand that when you have an idea that you want to test, it is not them or the other stakeholders involved to tell people the results. This is why it's called a test. So the end results have to be identified by the community through the learning reflection exercise, particularly by women and girls, identifying what they think is the best, what they think are the challenges, what they think are the constraints. So that's one thing that I would emphasize there. The other one is when you are still testing an idea, make sure you do no harm. So all the people in the system, local partners, their supporting agencies should ensure that the testing is done with minimum risk and also at a small scale. So the scaling up stage should be a completely different stage after the results have been, after there's already a proof of concept, after we already know that this works. 
because sometimes the word innovation, when partners hear that word, they, they think, oh, this is going to be the answer to everything. No, we are still at the testing stage and we are still trying to be careful not to do any harm for we, to women and to girls. And we are also trying to make sure we are learning and reflecting so that we can come up with the final product that is a good service to the community. I would also say that testing together is very important. So partners should know that they have to test together with the men and the boys and the girls as equal players and as lead participants. So that is very key to the success of the innovation process. So women should be involved. If you are working with boys and, and men, then women should be involved in the validation process before the innovation is tested. They should also analyze and provide input on the methods and approaches that will be used. So, you know, because they really have to be part of the whole process. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we are nearing the end of this podcast and that is so instructive, Pugeni. Can you share with us the key lessons you've learned from your experience in the field by using this approach to including men and boys? Thank you. I think that uh, the key lessons are depending on the context again. So I will talk about our MCC context and our system-wide learning on some of the key lessons. So as the Mennonite Central Committee, we saw that deliberate discussions of gender and masculinity and clear effort to transform such gender norms seemed to be more effective than innovations that just acknowledged and mentioned the gender norms and roles. I think for years and years, I still remember when I was young in the 1980s, you know, gender was a big vibe in my community, you know, but there was no transformation because the discussions were more about gender norms and roles, but there was no really that additional step to say, how can we transform this? And then working deliberately with boys and men, which is where my passion is uh, to say, hey, how can we work at this? So you have this power, you have this privilege, how can we deal with this? So that is number one lesson. Then the other lesson is that men and boys can be good advocates and can actually work to dismantle patriarchal structures through giving power, changing their own biases and behaviors. So it's very important to work with them. Then of course, we also learned that small group learning opportunities seemed to work best as they encourage dialogue, critical reflection about how gender norms are socially constructed by men and boys themselves and how they can be transformed. Then when we are also working with local partners, we also had lessons for local partners. Power dynamics between funding organizations and the local partners in the global south can affect the way a potential innovation is tested and nurtured. So it is very important to make sure that local partners are viewed as equal players with an equally important voice in the innovation process and to also make sure that all parties hold each other accountable to make sure that engagement of men and boys is for the benefit of women and girls. Then the other one is engaging in conversations with communities, not as experts who are bringing solutions to complex problems. Partners should engage as people who are willing to learn and co-create knowledge 
with local people, particularly women and girls, men and boys. And I think this one is really important because sometimes we forget that uh, we, are, we are in this together. And what would make it a success is the way it is received by those on the ground. So the other lesson is to acknowledge failure. And by this we mean it is important to accept failure at testing stages or to admit where things are not working well and seek opportunities to either improve or go back to the drawing board. I think it is very good accountability and very good use of resources if we can all say, we, yes, this was the idea, yes, we were testing, and we are seeing these challenges. Because sometimes those challenges can mean life and death for women and girls. So we don't want to do any harm. Great. So we are not now at the end of this podcast. Thank you so much, Pugeni, for joining me today. That is a pleasure to discuss with you and learn from your experience. Thank you so much, Colom, for having me. And thank you for the great work that you do. Uh, I think um, anyone would agree with me that this is quite a wonderful time in our lifetime where we can have opportunities to discuss about ways to transform our societies for the benefit of everyone. I completely agree. Thank you again. Have a wonderful day, Pugeni. Have a good day too. There's mamãs a cisaguma crying. There's mamãs a cisaguma crying. Big namara sava volo sexual violence is cause only war. Cause only for more songs from the Make Music Matter Healing and Harmony program, go to makemusicmatter.org.